Hello friends, I'm Ashish Sarbari, founder and CEO of Axamize. To our new listeners, welcome, and to our old ones, welcome back. We're just going to resume our chat with Professor Shipratik Chakravarti from IIT Bombay, with whom I was talking previously about lots of fun things. In case you didn't get a chance to catch up on that, feel free to go and tune in to episode 46. So welcome back, Shipratik. Let's resume our chat. One thing that came up in our chat last week, um, you mentioned something about synthesis problems. And, yes. and so tell us a little bit about I'll let you talk about it because it sounded yeah, so me. interesting. I couldn't miss this opportunity to talk to you about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking me because this is what uh, I have been very actively doing last few years. All right. Uh, okay. Kind of uh, one of the topmost priority projects I'm working on the last few years, uh, among a few other things. So, so the problem in synthesis as opposed to logic synthesis, because, mm -hmm. you know, logic synthesis in the EDU world basically is that you're already given some functions and you're given some libraries and you want to sort of optimize the implementation of the function using elements from the library or area, delay, power, whatever, right? So uh, what we're working on is not exactly that problem. What we're working on is that you're given a specification which relates the inputs and outputs of a system, okay? And I guess a really uh, sort of striking example of this is that I could just say that uh, let, uh, let us consider bit vectors, mm -hmm. and I could say x equals y1 times y2. Correct. Let's say x is a 2n bit vector, and y1 and y2 are n bit vectors. So I could say x equals y1 times y2, and y1 is not equal to the bit vector representing one and y2 is not equal to the bit vector representing one. Mm -hmm. okay, basically, I, I want to say that x is a product of two numbers, numbers none of which are one. Correct. Okay. Now, writing this out as a specification is is not hard, right? I mean, even if I were to write it out a bit level, Correct. I just need to, you know, it's some quadratic complexity. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But now I tell you that, hey, you know, in this X is my input and Y1 and Y2 are the outputs. Hmm. If Y1 and Y2 are inputs and X is the output, it's easy. It's just Correct. Multiply. Correct. But now I take the same formula which relates inputs and outputs. Hmm. And I say that, uh, you know, I want to synthesize Y1 and Y2 from X, X. such that this relation is satisfied. Now we're talking about a really hard problem. This problem of integer factorization. Yeah, yeah. And if we can do this for, you know, whatever... 128 bits, 512 bits, we have broken RSA. Right? Correct, correct. The crypto systems. Correct, correct. So, and it is actually open at this point whether there are efficient circuits for factorization. And factorization is in the complexity uh, theoretical literature. It's, it's not known whether there are polynomial size or polynomial time based correct, functions correct, correct. to do this. Hmm. But uh, if, if you have, uh, you know, bought into this argument that I can specify a circuit by writing a specification and it's easy to write the specification but perhaps very hard to generate that circuit. So now we are saying that well I'll give you just a specification hmm. and you have to design the circuit for me automatically. Hmm. So in this case I would give you the specification x is y1 times y2 and neither of y1 and y2 are 1 and your tool should automatically generate a factorization circuit which can take x and generate y1 and y2. So in general, we can't have a polynomial time solution to so these we problems. We can't have a polynomial time solution. In fact, you know, we have done some work on this 
where we try to look at it from a very fundamental level, from the complexity theory level, and we have results which which show that you know unless long-standing complexity theory conjectures are falsified, we can't even have polynomial-sized circuits. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're willing to spend exponential time to synthesize the circuit, you can't even get compact circuits. Mm -hmm. Uh, however, throwing heuristics. This, this turns out to be an interesting problem, particularly in what is called controller synthesis. Mm -hmm. Okay, basically, uh, you have you have inputs coming from an environment, and you want to generate outputs that feed into a controller, and you just have a specification about how the inputs and outputs should be related, uh, and you have to actually design the you know the controls of the controller looking at the inputs from the environment. And uh, for example, in uh, you know things like uh, uh, actually you know safety in ML, uh, this does come up because your ML system is not always trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So you want to look at the outputs from the ML system, and you want to look at the inputs from the environment, mm -hmm. and you want to generate new outputs, mm -hmm. which ensure that things are always safe, mm -hmm. but it doesn't deviate too much from the ML output, ML device output, because that's perhaps been optimized for something. I almost feel like we're coming full circle if, if I look at it from an STE angle, because you remember STE could generate you the counter examples to tell you why a certain input output behavior could be and would generate those guards coming out of it. Yeah, 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 I guess yeah, there, are, there are panels there. So, but this problem actually is, is turns out to be that uh, there are multiple ways to solve it, multiple you know, paradigmic, par paradigms to solve it. And uh, one of the paradigms that we have focused on quite a bit, and it's now been taken up by other groups and they have gone beyond what we did, uh, is this business of uh, do an intelligent guess of what the yeah, heuristics are. And then check and repair. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. And this intelligent guess, uh, interestingly, can be done using machine learning. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, but it can also be done uh, grounded completely in you know formal methods logic. Correct. So, so there are these two different ways of doing the intelligent guesses. Yeah. But this guess check repair paradigm has been very interesting. So it's kind of like a counterpart to you know counterexample guided uh, abstraction refinement. Except that this is not really abstraction refinement. This is guess and repair. But there's this other uh, approach which we have. Uh, you know, we, we just have a paper where we were able to achieve a complete theoretical characterization of this problem, where we use what is called knowledge compilation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what knowledge compilation says is that you may give me your specification in whatever format, but then. Can I compile it to another format? For example, representing something as a BDD mm -hmm. amounts to knowledge compilation because once you represent it as a BDD, uh, things become simple. In, in particular, this synthesis problem that I talked about, mm -hmm. once you're able to get the specification represented as a BDD, after that, it's linear time. The, the synthesis problem is linear time. But of course, the, the real transformation getting it to a BDD is this challenge. So, what we have worked on is to understand that. Do we really need a BDD? Can we weaken the requirements for BDDs? And we have sort of reached the point where we have an exact characterization of what is the form that is needed in order to do synthesis in polynomial time. Nice. So, so we have this result, which is you know just got accepted last month, which says that if there is a specification which can be synthesized efficiently, then it can be compiled to uh, an efficient representation in this normal form that we have now. 
and every specification in this normal form can be synthesized efficiently. So it's nice. not only both ways. And uh, so I have been going and talking about this to, uh, you know, knowledge compilation typically has been used uh, in the artificial intelligence world. And of course, in, in CAD and verification, we use it mostly with respect to BDDs. Mm -hmm. But in the artificial intelligence world, they, they have done a lot of work beyond BDDs. I mean, they have weakened the requirement for BDDs mm -hmm. to things like decomposable negation normal form, deterministic decomposable negation normal form, and so on and so forth. And so what we, so we have been able to sort of place this normal form for synthesis that we've come up with in that entire landscape, which characterizes efficient synthesis. And uh, this is something, and so, so now the next step for us is to come up with compilers which do this compilation. I mean, we know the worst case complexity is bad, right. but so is it for OBDDs. Right. Uh, but we know OBDDs really change the way, uh, right? Yes. And, and the interesting thing is this compilation process actually uses SAT solvers. Okay, and so, you know, because SAT solvers are really becoming more powerful by the day. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are, we are really hopeful that, we, I mean, we have a preliminary compiler, it kind of does okay, but there's a really lot of possibility for optimization over there. Awesome. So, so this is the new project that I have been working on. This is called Boolean Functional Synthesis. So you start from a specification of what you want to do and you want to, so from a relational specification, you want to come up with a functional implementation completely automatically and uh, complexity theory wise, we know that this is hard. Uh, but, uh, you know, in computer science, uh, uh, we, we work on so many problems that, uh, you know, I mean, maybe two decades back, if you showed a problem to be NP-complete, that would be reason of... Uh, not, know, to, not doing you know, it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, say, okay, let's leave it now. Yeah. But now we know that if something is NP-complete, it's time to rejoice because stat solvers can always certainly solve it. So, uh, so cool. that's been uh, one very exciting stuff. I this is a this is a great summary, Shapratik. Thank you very much. Now, let me come to this last question of our chat today. Um, mm -hmm. And I always ask this to our guests, and I, I think you will offer a great value because of your diverse experience. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are young uh, professionals or students. What would be, in your view, five reasons, and there don't have to be five, there could be more than five or less, if you think, mm -hmm. what are the tips they can take from you uh, to pursue a career in engineering and science? Okay, so, yeah, this is, I guess, <laughs> a very loaded question, but I, know. I think you give the best answer that's possible. So, uh, you know, I mean, the way I look at it is that a career in science and engineering should be about something beyond just earning your money, okay, and putting bread on your table and the shelter is not your head. So, uh, so the first advice that I try to give my students is uh, find out what is it that your heart's calling is for, okay. I mean, if it is actually doing software design for, for some uh, students, you know, building software, hacking two pieces of software really gives them the kick and Joy, they, can, yeah. they can really starve to do that, so to say. And then, you know, they should really look at, I mean, there are opportunities in all of these areas. For some others, maybe just sitting and working out on pencil and paper, you know, coming up with some elegant proofs, coming up with, uh, you know, beautiful designs. 
is what gives them a kick. And uh, I think there are opportunities for all of these various things. Uh, you know, for some students, maybe theory has more appeal. For others, building systems have more appeal. Uh, I always tell you, know, just like the boundary between E and CS is artificial, the boundary between systems and theory is artificial. Correct. And uh, I think the greatest living example of this is Don Knuth. And I mean, the man builds LaTeX <laughs> and he also proves some of the hardest theorems in theory. Correct. So, uh, and interestingly, Don Knuth's uh, latest volume is about SAC solving. And he has taken great pains to understand the different heuristics that SAC solvers use. And he has gone ahead and done some beautiful analysis, theoretical analysis of those heuristics. And he has himself built a SAC solver. Wow. Okay. Sort of trying to understand what's going on in these heuristics. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's what a true scientist is about. I mean, he just wants to see things, what's going on. So, my advice to uh, you know the young generation would be that these boundaries are artificial. So, think about what is it that gives you the most kick, and uh, there are opportunities for there. And you know, because these boundaries are artificial, you can really connect it up to a lot of other things. So do something where your heart lies in so that... Passion. You know, Passion is basically the key. And yes. basically don't believe in any religion or any boundaries. I mean, not, <laughs> not every day turns out to be good in any professional career. Not Certainly not in okay. science. <laughs> certainly right. not. <laughs> uh, and when you sort of hit the bed at the end of the day, at least you should be able to say, you know, hey man, this is what I wanted to do. This is what gave me the kick. Cool. So what if I fail? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so I think that would be my first and foremost advice. The second thing that I would uh, like to sort of emphasize on is that, uh, you know, it's really important to get your hands dirty in what, whatever you're doing, right? I mean, uh, even when you do theory, you have to get your hands dirty proving things on your own, coming up with alternative proofs and so on and so forth. I, I, remember, I, I remember when you and I were working, when I, I was visiting you from Southampton days, you and I were coding Verilog together, you're writing scripts yeah. together. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there is so much amount of learning that is missed out if you don't do it hands-on. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, this, I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of students these days, you know, think that it's okay to get something from this part of Google and the Google parts of solutions put them together and some patchwork, something as long as it works, it's fine. But you really miss out on the fun of learning, and uh, you know, and that's that's not the way to learn. Uh, and I mean, you know, it's it's okay to Google and whatever, find out how others have done it. It's okay to learn from it. But I think it's there's a lot of fun building things. Personal experience is very important. Personal yeah, yeah. I think important. getting your hands dirty uh, teaches you so much about science and engineering in particular. I mean, this is not about philosophy where you just think and philosophize. I, I believe even in philosophy, getting your hands dirty is very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in everything in life, even cooking, right? I mean, you can read books <laughs> if you don't cook Absolutely. anything. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and the third thing that I think, uh, I guess this holds true for every discipline, not just science and engineering, is that there are no shortcuts. I mean, you have to slog it out. You have to spend sufficient time. If you really want to be an expert in an area, it takes years. I mean, you know, with, uh, you know, go, going to your college, going to your university, taking online courses uh, can help accelerate the process. I mean, 
handholding is important uh but i think you i mean if, if if you're expecting that you know i just go through one video recording of some course and next morning i'm an expert in that area that it doesn't work that way no i've uh, got to get your answer to yeah yeah one one really i mean if if one is expecting that you know four years of, of undergraduate studies or whatever six years of undergraduate postgraduate studies and after that uh, you are going to be master of everything in computer science or electrical engineering because you have studied one course on each one of them i think uh, that is an illusion i mean you probably have breadth you will understand a little bit of everything but if if you really want to sort of claim expertise in something if you want uh, sort of for yourself to be known about something that you did uh, it is important to budget time for that it's you know it, it, it i mean there are no no uh, you know quick fixes for that you know what you know you know what i wanted to say um, you know you are one of the people uh, who reviewed my course and mm-hmm. i'm really happy and proud to say that all of the individuals that i reached out to say could you please look at the course actually went through the course material they actually took on the quizzes they actually went to the logical conclusion and what i really appreciated is that all of you individuals are very busy in your own uh, you know projects but actually nobody did a disservice to me to just look at it cursorily and write whatever you wanted to write and that is speaks volumes for all of the people and it is exactly what you're saying is put your heart and soul into it then only you find out what is it is in the case right right so uh, and maybe yeah i don't know how many uh, i could talk about three points uh, so there is also one final piece of uh, you know advice that I, i want to sort of you know give everybody um, particularly the students is that uh, but when we do something you know i mean success and failure uh you know how many patents you got is opposed to how many patents your colleague got or how many papers you published how many citations your paper covered uh people you know sort of picked up i think these are quantitative metrics that are used because we still haven't figured out a good way to come up with how to really evaluate a person correct uh, and uh i think we cannot avoid it in our professional lives we do get evaluated by this quantitative metrics uh but you know i think one has to look beyond these and i'm i'm not saying we can completely ignore these because these will affect our they're natural lives. they're natural artifacts side effects right they yes, should be your primary goal if, if that becomes the sole end of our professional career or education then you know it's actually possible to gain this and once you gain these numbers uh, you are the loser at correct. the end of it correct i mean you are nothing at the end of it you just gain these numbers and so i think these quantitative metrics are important they're going to stay because i think the world goes by numbers uh, but i mean for every serious student of science and engineering i think one has to understand that there are limitations of these quantitative metrics and one has to really go and i mean to earn the respect of your colleagues to earn the respect of your community is a much higher achievement than to get make numbers patents make numbers numbers right whether it's patents yes. or i would even say whether it is commercial figures you know i'm running a business i yes. certainly want yes. to make money but not at the cost of compromising 
values and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all of these things that you mentioned. Um, hey, thank you so much, man. I mean, we've had a lot of guests, but nobody actually took time to describe the last tip in, in, in the level of detail that you did and, and the other ones. And we talked about so much interesting stuff today, right from your early childhood in in the yeah, getting interested in transistors radios. I don't think most people even know uh, the millennials <laughs> yes. what transistors radios are. And then asynchronous designs, and we talked about your teaching experiences, symbolic simulation, this exciting work that you and, and the team at Intel did, and the Boolean function synthesis, which I think is, is a fascinating uh, piece of work. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I very much value your time today, Shripatik, and uh, looking forward to getting you back again and, and talking about what else happened after these <laughs> topics. Sure, sure. I look forward to Thanks, Ashish. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, friends, I hope you liked today's chat. Uh, do let us know by emailing us at infodaximize.com. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and let's stay in touch. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.